Why is it whenever that I have to introduce the podcast, it's like halfway through the night and I'm drunk? <laughs> you decided that we needed to do the other ones first because they were timely. <laughs> <laughs> Said with such derision. <laughs> It was his suggestion. I mean, it's like we could have done these ones first. You're right, because Gambit and Steel Magnolias really have to, you know. Hey, those those movies are popping. They're we have to get in the charts. Get those out as soon as possible, man. <laughs> Dolly, I hear Dolly Parton's a big hit right now. When was she not? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Dolly, don't you dare. Yeah, you back yeah, off. Welcome to Buried Cinema, where we discuss new and lesser-known films in detail, so there will be spoilers. I'm Tom. I'm Brian. I'm Nate. I'm Steve. Two podcasts in a row with no issues. <laughs> Amazing. This podcast, I had the first pick, and uh, I picked a film that I saw just a, I don't know, a month or so ago and really loved, and it's called Gambit from 1966. Uh, Nate had the pairing. And I gave him the theme of, let me see if I can remember this right. Yeah, the uh, theme was just Gambit. Gambit, but it had to star either Shirley MacLaine or Michael Caine. Yeah. And uh, Nate decided that he was going to make a Gambit. Right. And choose Steel Magnolias from 1989. <laughs> Steel Magnolias. <laughs> which also stars Shirley MacLaine. So, it's a bold choice um, so starting with Gambit, uh, again from 1966, I saw this... I have a, a personal movie challenge that I do online, and uh, somebody picked this movie for me, and I, I just, I loved it. It stars Shirley MacLaine, Michael Caine, and uh, Herbert Lom, uh, directed by Ronald Neem. It's about a English cat burglar who hires a Eurasian dancer to pull up a heist in, is it Morocco? Yeah. My second time watching it, and it was only like halfway through the second time. I was like, oh, it's Morocco. Um, <laughs> There's fezzes everywhere. It's Morocco. Yeah, it's Morocco. Kind of a really strange, strangely structured film, but that's part of the reason I, I loved it. I don't know how anyone's going to go on this. So, Nate, would you like to try again on this one? Yeah, uh, I, I was awake for the whole film. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, I, I I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's quite brilliant. It has a great twist. I love the... You, you mentioned the structure of this film. I really yeah. loved it. Because um, the big twist in this film happens about a half hour in. Yeah. yeah. And then also... I mean, the, the end twist is somewhat predictable, but um, I don't want to... If you haven't seen this film, we will talk spoilers, but if you honestly haven't seen it, stop now. Go watch it. Because yeah, the spoilers definitely. have a lot to do with this movie. Yeah. Um, okay, good. Have you done it? Good job, yeah. listeners. But I love the the twist that the flashback is wonderful where it goes from like that. That was his plan. And it also makes sense as to why she wasn't talking, why she's yeah. uh, why she's turned into some like a personality list, sort of like just sex, yeah. sex bunny. Yeah, the, fir the first time I watched this, I actually I made a comment like while I was watching it on Facebook, like does Shirley MacLaine have any lines in this movie? <laughs> and then like that twist came and I was like, oh, because it's like it. It starts with him whispering the plan into his friend's ear. Right. And then it goes through the whole thing. It, it, it 
goes off without a hitch, and then suddenly it comes back to what actually happens. And reality takes over, which is wonderful to see yeah, the yeah. plan like not actually occur. Um, well, it, he, him seeing himself doing things so smoothly and, you know, <laughs> yeah. and then her just derailing that every chance she gets and his frustration. Well, immediately, was, right yes, off the bat. Like, it's great. <laughs> but it's not actually her derailing things. It's just circumstance. And she well, actually turns the, out the, to be. It's just the reality of life. Right. I mean, it's not. Right. 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 Yeah. Derailing's probably a little harsh, but it's. Him having this ima- like imagined uh, experience of he's in absolute control of everything, and then reality crashes in, in the, right. especially in the form of this woman, right? Who turns out actually to be very capable. She's yeah. a great character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's wonderful. Shirley MacLaine. I haven't seen a lot of her. I think the only thing I've seen is like The Apartment, but um, she's fantastic in this, and she really she does a great job of. Um, Holding her own against Michael Caine and uh, pushing him around, you know, like like you said, she ends up being half the reason he's even able to pull off this caper, right? Right, and so that's that's wonderful to see them have to kind of like improvise this whole crime scheme, and and you you have all the little signals they give back to his fantasy, where he's still trying the nonsense with the cufflinks, mm-hmm. and even when you watch it in his fantasy, you're like, this is kind of ridiculous. And then they bring it to reality, and they're like, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it would never go off like that. You know. Brian? I I really enjoyed this. Um, I, I do enjoy most caper movies. Um, Appreciate that. I, I, <laughs> I, the reason Sorry, I that say... Was, that was a play on my last name for... Oh, okay. Got it. Don't understand <laughs> and maybe Brian doesn't understand who I am. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, oh, I mean, most, I, I do say most because I really could not stand sneakers, but that's... Thank you! <laughs> I'm not alone. <laughs> I especially like when things go wrong, or, or seemingly go wrong, so that's why I like this, that's why I kind of like Ocean's Eleven, because things don't seem to go according to plan, uh, they, you know, it's just a little bit off. I love that he has to go through like customs, yeah. <laughs> like coming down off the airplane. People are like jostling him, and he's like, "I just well, have to go through customs." She's like, "It's a normal thing." <laughs> what, what, what I what I was almost hoping would happen was it's not a tip, it's a bribe, and then he gets arrested and see how it goes <laughs> there because that would have no. I, I I I I thought the movie was very smartly written. I thought his ideal way of how this is going. He's playing this man for a fool, like forlorn, lovesick fool, essentially, right. who is not at all that. And you know that I really enjoyed the writing of this movie a lot. Yeah, right. He hires Shirley MacLaine because she's the spitting image of his wife, who died a year after marriage, who also is a spitting image of this Chinese bus that he's trying to steal. Mm-hmm. Um, which sounds really contrived, but it's actually a really tight plot. Steve. Yeah, so I, I came into this, and I this is, I think like Nate, although I haven't seen The Apartment, uh, this is the only young Shirley MacLaine movie I've right. seen, and I wasn't quite sure what to expect with her. Uh, and she was actually the first half an hour or so of this movie before the reveal of that it was just sort of the fantasy 
um, I was kind of getting bored because I didn't realize what was yeah. going on. And I was, it's like, well, she's not doing a whole lot and everything's kind of going smoothly. And okay, I, I was ready to sort of start playing on my phone while the movie rolled. And um, then once the the reveal comes and I was like, oh, okay, well, let's see where this goes. And um, then Shirley MacLaine actually becomes a character and yeah. she's she's delightful. She's just absolutely yeah. fantastic. And I was like, wow, she's she's really good. I've only ever seen her as a cranky old lady. Um, and, <laughs> uh, and she's she's really good in this. Not she's not just she comes off as not the kind of dumb blonde, but like that attitude, but still intelligent. You right. know what I mean? Like yeah. she's intelligent. She's a smart girl. And she comes across as smart, but she's also very bubbly and likable at the same time. And right. uh, that's you don't see that kind of character played very often. So I, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. And Michael Caine, seeing him in a younger, I haven't seen him a lot uh, younger, young like this. He was fantastic in this, and it was it blew it actually blew me away. Yeah, I had that similar experience my first time watching this. I was I was really getting impatient um in that first half hour yeah it, i was like this is supposed to be a, patience yeah this is supposed to be a comedy like yeah this this actress is just like a prop and then it just it completely turns it turns it on its head um I, I love that when it when it first comes back to reality and he goes and drops the coin in her glass and then just turns and walks away like she's supposed to follow him <laughs> yeah and he, yeah and then he looks back and she's just like and like looking <laughs> at him from the table like and and at that point you realize that like his whole plan is as stupid as it gets, and <laughs> it's just yeah, not but gonna I, work. But what I really loved, and I picked up more on the second viewing, is that Michael Caine's character, Harry Dean, he he does have this ideal, this fantasy of what he's going to pull off, mm-hmm. and everything goes wrong. Nothing goes to, according to his plan at all. Right. But he's also not just a bumbling idiot, like. He actually does improvise. He's very ingenuitive. I, I feel like in, in a lot of lesser films, these two characters would be a lot flatter, but they they really seem like very rich characters. Like both have their kind of idiotic qualities, but neither one's an idiot. Both have their really intelligent qualities, but neither one's like really on top of things. It's just, right. it's just, it's it's a it's once it makes that turn a half hour, in, it's just like a delight to watch these two improvise and get to know each other throughout this caper where nothing's going wrong or nothing's going right what, what i like is the uh is the title or the the poster that says go ahead tell the end but please don't tell the beginning yeah mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that, that, that kind of like i i enjoy that about this um but but you know going back to like he's willing to improvise on some things like yeah. when he goes to the store and he wants to buy the was it the oil mm-hmm He's like, the no, no, you have, it in, you have it in a glass bottle. Like, yeah. it has to be in a glass bottle. It can't be this other stuff. It needs to be glass bottle oil. Like, there was no real reason for that. It just fits his internal narrative that it has to be glass, so he, he wants it that way. He's kind of the stickler for, you know, for, for things to go just so on well, some things, that, that he, he can, as long as he can control it. He has these pretensions about who he is and <laughs> what his he's level is. Gentleman and thief, yeah. Gentleman thief, yeah, and he's completely out of his depth. And, and like I said, that doesn't make him 
incapable. It just makes him kind of pretentious. Yeah. Ha- have any of you guys, are any guys fans of the Pink Panther series? Oh, yeah. I like the Pink Panther series. Yeah, because Herbert Lom plays um, Inspector Dreyfus yeah. in that series. And he's great in that. But this is the first, pretty much the first thing I'd seen outside of that. And uh, I mean, I think he does a great job both as that fantasy kind of like the um, victim's not the right word. But then it the, goes the mark. Dupe is the mark. The mark. The mark, yeah. And then it goes into reality and he's actually he's actually much more just like a really smart, like savvy businessman who also enjoys life. And he kind of like goes along with the scheme. Like he knows there's a scheme going on. Right. But he wants to play the game because he wants to test his security. And mm-hmm. he, he just wants to see <laughs> who these two are and how this all pans out. Like his character is actually pretty delightful too. Um, yeah. So I really like the the dynamic between these between these three characters throughout the film. Yeah, the only thing that I struggled with this movie is the romance. I feel like the romance is a little forced because it just has to be a romantic crime caper. I don't I'm know. Fi- I kinda, I'm fine with it because it's delightful, but yeah. I feel like it isn't. These two characters fall in love because, of course, they do. It could be. It would be fine without that. It'd be pretty much the same movie. I don't know. The second time I was, Michael Caine was doing a lot of really subtle stuff, like, um, like in the not in the fantasy heist, but the actual heist when um, Shabandar took them in to see the bust, and he feels like uh, Shirley MacLaine's character is giving away these details. He won't look at her, but there's like a look on his face, like he wants her to shut up. Like he's doing mm-hmm. a lot of really subtle stuff in this movie, and I think it's really interesting. Should we uh, heads up if you do watch this? There's a fair amount of brown facing in it oh yeah <laughs> like, okay yeah it's yeah. it's kind of racist yeah it's a very 1960s where instead of getting a moroccan actor or even a spanish actor or north african or something they got white people and put them in brown face there like, is a there, there is some of that i don't think it's that atrocious um it's not as bad once they get out of the fantasy and they get rid of the wrong right. guy Right, right. Rom, it's very clear because that's that's Harvey Mudd from Star Trek, and I'm like, it took me a little while to figure that out. And I was like, wait a minute, he's he's a pale, fat, white guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like with with Shirley MacLaine and Herbert Lom, like you get the sense of this kind of like you get a sense of their international mixed, people. Yeah, yeah, mixed. She's like her her what was it? Her father was French Canadian. Her mother was uh, Eurasian. The phrase they used, but she has like a Chinese kind of like a Chinese last name. But she also lives in Hong Kong, which was a British colony. So hers isn't that bad. Um, Lom seems to be, and even Roms, um, they both seem to be things of the times. Which was, which in that case was, it was wrong. But it's, um, it takes you out out of the movie. It doesn't ruin it for you, though. Again, it's it's it is a sign of the sixties. It's not enough to depreciate it that much for me. No. Well, I guess we can go into grading. I will start with Steve. Uh, this is an A. Sorry. Uh, so, <laughs> I'm Kathy's texting me. Kevin just had too much to drink, so that's all. Oh, okay. And he wasn't feeling good. Uh, but yeah, this is a surprising A for me. Uh, Brian, this is also an A for me. Uh, like I, I like the acting, the writing, the. You know, the twists in this movie, you know, everything about it I really enjoyed. Yeah, the writing feels very modern. Mm-hmm. Like the just the kind of 
wordplay and everything. Nate? Yeah, I'm giving it an A as well. It's a, it's a little low. There's some nitpicky stuff. I think the love story is forced, but I don't think it hurts the film. And it's uh, it reminds me a lot of the other Michael older Michael Caine when we did on this film, like Sleuth. Like it's an old movie where the twist stands up. And I think that good writing can hold its own. Yeah, I'm also giving this an A. Um, this, uh, after my second viewing, is currently sitting just outside my top 250 on Flipchart. So wow. yeah, was, this is a, this is a very, this is one of those come out of nowhere hidden gem movies. And um, it's actually really fits the definition of kind of a buried film. It's not one of those beloved known classics. Um, so I'm really happy that somebody like assigned this movie to me. Steve, do you have a movie question for us? Uh, yeah. These are just random questions that we have in a... <laughs> A database, I guess. Not entirely random, but you know, the pre-written questions that we get at they're, random. They're yeah. curated. Yeah, sure. um, some degree. This isn't a good question, but it's just the question is how is how is this movie prescient? <laughs> oh, oh, that's a, that's just funny. First draft of the screenplay was written for Brian Forbes. When the story was designed as was written by Brian Forbes, when it was originally designed for Cary Grant, who dropped out. I can feel this is a Cary Grant vehicle. Yeah. And then uh, they eventually decided to make Shirley MacLaine like the lead character ish, and then she wanted Michael Caine to be her leading man. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of evolution, and I I like it because you really do feel like Shirley MacLaine is is a main character, not just the girl in the movie. Mm-hmm. Once you get to that twist. Oh, right. yeah. Okay, well, here's a question. Not really a question, but in the spirit of it. Um, this <laughs> this movie proves that blank. That good movies can just come out of nowhere? <laughs> <laughs> movies that you've never heard of and never thought about that have been around for 40 or 50 years? I would say that good writing makes a film. This is just a really, really well-written and orchestrated film. And it's written by Jack Davies and Alvin Sargent. Our, our questions are often very um, targeted at one of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why, and, uh, why does this movie prove that Kevin's a dick? You know? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, dude, come on. Alvin Sargent, by the way, he just recently passed away. Um, uh, yeah, he wrote all three of the Raimi Spider-Man movies. Oh. As well as The Amazing Spider-Man. Hmm. Really? Yep. I just put I just put two and two together on that one. I, I, I saw the things about Alvin Sargent passing away, and I was like, Alvin Sargent, that really sounds familiar. And sure enough, he's the one. He just passed away like just a few days ago. That's too bad. Um, in five words, what is the theme of this movie? Things never go... To plan. Yeah. As planned? No. (laughs) To plan. (laughs) You're right. This is better. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to come back and talk about uh, Steel Magnolias. Nate's Nate's gambit, quote unquote. All right. Fifth attempt. Steel Magnolias. (laughs) You guys ready? Yes. Yes. All right. So um, 
I had the pairing here with Tom's movie. Tom chose Gambit, and he gave me the category of I had. Well, he said the category was Gambit, <laughs> and then he said it had to star either Shirley MacLaine or Michael Caine. So, not really a category. He just said I basically <laughs> had to choose the same movie that he chose. <laughs> he liked it that much. He did, and so I said, I'll show you, Tom, and all the other men on the podcast. And so I chose the most estrogen-laden film of all time, Steel Magnolias. For those of you who don't know, uh, Steel Magnolias is the film version of the uh, famous play called Steel Magnolias. It's about a young beautician comes to small-town Louisiana and uh, finds friendship and life, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. That works. I feel like that's what it's about. And it follows this... And uh, death. And death. Oh, yeah. It follows these uh, six characters, played by uh, Sally Field, Dolly Parton, Julia Roberts, Daryl Hannah, Shirley MacLaine, of course, and Olympia Dukakis. This uh, came... I hear voices. I hear women. Yeah, one second. Is that my apartment? Hello? No, that's Nate's life. Yes, this is the right apartment. Oh, is there seriously? No, it's not me. This is how a porn starts. (laughs) See, I told you. I hear you need your plumbing fixed. (laughs) I'm here to fix your cable. (laughs) Nothing wrong with my plumbing. (laughs) Well, I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. (laughs) Some creepy role play. All right. uh, Sorry, my wife was just telling me that I was uh, doing the podcast wrong. So those are the oh. voices you were hearing. She, I she's, was, she's right. <laughs> yeah. I was not adequately describing Steel Magnolias. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Good for her. You know <laughs> yeah, what? I, really? th- I think she should grab a mic and tell us what she thinks. Yeah. No, she wants nothing to do with that. <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't actually want the world to hear her. She wants to speak and for me to say to the world. Oh, I see. So you're her mouthpiece. Exactly. You're her puppet. That's what she would prefer. But so uh, Steel Magnolias is, I would say it's it's a pretty iconic film. We all agree with that? Yes. Most definitely. I had actually never seen it before. I'd heard a lot about the play because the play is famous where it's just um, six women on stage. There's no men in it. Uh, a lot of times there's a lot of monologues in the play and a lot of scenes that are done for like auditions, like the the funeral scene with Sally Field. Her monologue is done a lot. Would you say this is outside our wheelhouse, guys? Yes. No. Not at all. <laughs> we do movies about women I mean, and family interacting all the time. When we started, we said this is going to be a Dolly Parton podcast exclusively. <laughs> we kind of got away from that. I feel like we're getting back to our roots. Yeah. This is this is nine times out of ten a fanboy podcast. <clears throat> yes. So yeah, absolutely. To to do something like this, it's pretty obvious this isn't our typical, which is is good, I think. So then, uh, Kevin, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to you. Okay. Kevin, so how do you feel about Steel Magnolias? I've seen this movie probably half a dozen times or more. Oh really? Um, okay. I never obviously watched it from from a critical point of view to look at it more from simply just enjoyment or background entertainment um i always forget that the last third of the movie is extremely sad yeah, super depressing anytime oh, you, you gosh, say still magnolias yeah. i'm like oh yeah that's a good fun movie no it's not <laughs> and it's, it hits you like a train oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's been it was probably a good 10 years since i had seen it 
so I didn't remember the chronology of everything that was going to happen. So I'm sitting there, and, and the first time Julie Roberts has a, a diabetic issue, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I think something happens to her. And <laughs> so I was kind of like, oh, shit, she died. Again. Yeah, that's right. Oh, um, but it's. Spoiler alert for oh, all yeah, men. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, guys. We can assume women have seen it. Yeah, guys, guys have tissues nearby. <laughs> um, yeah. That was the one part I definitely. You uh, hadn't seen that part, Tom, but you'd seen the rest? No, no, no. I, I'd seen parts of this on HBO or whatever back in the 90s. Right. And that was definitely part that I had seen. Oh, was okay. when Julie Roberts died. Like, yeah. I remember that part clearly. So I'm pretty sure I'd never seen all of it and definitely not in one sitting. Yeah, I hadn't seen this before. And well, I'd seen, like, pieces of it, but I don't remember it. I just remember being I forced used, to watch I used it, to have it on kid. my I used to rank it on my flick chart, but then I just, I was like, I don't <laughs> think I've seen this whole film. So I <laughs> removed it. Yeah. And now I can put it back. So there's, and Nate, like you mentioned, there's some iconic moments in the movie like Sally Field's monologue at the the cemetery mm-hmm. um, and that's uh, that's one of the things that I easily remember but I never it, for some reason in my brain didn't link that monologue with Steel Magnolias specifically but definitely with Sally Field I don't know why I just did but the, the only issue I had with this on, on a rewatch was uh, now I'm paying more attention to the performance like, uh, obviously, Dolly Parton and Olympia Dukakis, it's very easy for them to give a Southern, not accent, just a Southern personality. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and because it, it fits their accents. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Dolly Parton is, she's playing a pretty thinly veiled version of herself with some yeah. interaction. with. By, by the way, before we go any farther, can we just say the dumbest man in the world here is Sam Shepard and his character? What the hell is wrong with that man? You are married to Dolly Parton. <laughs> you jerk. I just wanted to he get that out. Snaps out of it a little bit later. Yeah, he yeah. does. Yeah. Okay, takes him like years. Yeah. You know. He's got some shit going on. From, Leave the man alone. And from a woman's point some, of no. view, that's kind of normal. You know, eventually the men, the, the guy <laughs> will figure it out eventually. Yeah. But no, the only thing I was going to say, uh, Daryl Hannah, I don't know if it's her character. And by the way, I didn't know this was a play before it was a movie. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of interesting. That, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we are. Why didn't we pick it for that one? Anyway, I didn't care for her performance, Daryl Hannah, but it didn't really affect the movie. Uh, I would disagree with – I would agree with you except for that one scene, the one scene that we all cried at, don't even pretend you didn't, where she talks about her daughter being in heaven and she's like a complete asshole about it and then she actually explains it and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That that scene is great. Yeah. But other than that, I agree. Right. Daryl Hannah's daughter? No, no, no. Yeah, Maylin's daughter. And then how she explains how she's, um, oh gosh, I I should find it here in the quotes. But the the way that she says it, where she's basically like, Uh, oh. Yeah, she's, you know, she'd rather have the angel up in heaven looking out for her than down on earth. Yeah. Which how she's struggling. first is, well, at least she's in heaven. Right. You you think she's going to come off as, (laughs) you know, kind of some thin (laughs) effort of trying to help. And it turns out to be like, oh, yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Well, and this movie does an amazing part of that where it takes some, it takes a lot of those things that they might seem cliched and they might seem like they lack nuance, but it, it finds that. Like everything that these characters say, these friendships and these relationships between these women are not perfect. You can see all of the wounds. You can see all the problems. You see them grow. 
but you also see like everybody is still there's so much complexity to it like that that's daryl hannah's speech there is perfect it could just come off as well at least she's in heaven and and you can see sally fields about ready to slap her yeah and then she she explains what she means by that and you're like okay all right yeah it's actually does it makes really profound and uh helpful yeah yeah you know that, whole and that, scene. that is that is the only part of this movie that actually made me emotional. That speech. That speech. Yep. That whole death scene. That whole funeral scene. I was just. Mm. I wasn't. So I was. I I cried a little, but I was having those like it's just men talking about tears. That's the new name of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was just having those. Do you know what I mean? Like the, are those, we talking those, about like, Endgame again? Hold ba- yeah. Like hold back, <laughs> and it's just like, those weird twitches. Just those little like ah. Oh. I told my wife, okay, Tom, you brought it up, so you open up this can of worms. I told my wife, I said, look, when we go to see Endgame, you're going to cry six times. (laughs) (laughs) And here are the six times. (laughs) Yeah. And they're all in the last half hour. Yeah. No, I'm sure the the first couple of times I saw this, definitely the the cemetery scene and all that was was difficult. Um, It's very emotional. It's very well done. Uh, But not only that, I I think it's it's easier to give – uh, a dramatic, sad performance and connect with the audience because I think people are are more open to that and, and more familiar with it. To see comedy, I can only think of his character. Uh, he played drum. Tom. Tom Skerritt. Skerritt. Um, <laughs> thank you. His performance with Shirley MacLaine throughout the whole movie, they're kind of back and forth. I... I love yeah. that throughout that thread, just kind of going throughout the movie. You'd see them, the two of them digging at each other mm. as a little side story really through the crazy. whole thing. It was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I like you, that's never explained. Yeah, it doesn't have what, to be. What it's their perfect. history is. Yeah, they just don't like each other. Yeah, but I, I like Tom, you're uh, hinting at, I think there's something more there. Yeah. And yeah, you don't need to know what it is, but you can see it between them and, and they don't like each other because they do like each other kind of thing. Yeah. You can tell that's what's going and they get that across without ever saying it. Yeah. Pretty well. I think that's a credit to the actors, right? Like mm-hmm. the the performance there, good performance, you get the sense that there's the actors thought through it, there's more to it, right? And so they know the backstory. And so when they interact you, you kind of get that sense. And I think Shirley MacLaine and Tom Skerritt do both do a really good job. And I think all the actresses and actors in this do a fantastic job. This again shows me, I mean, now everything I've seen Shirley MacLaine and she's, she's absolutely outstanding. Her, yeah, her range. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think probably like Steve, you'd said in Gambit, like the only thing you'd ever seen her before you saw Gambit was like, as kind of a crotchety older woman. Yeah, I, this. Yeah. I think that's unfortunately because she is such – she started off just doing so much comedy. And unfortunately, as women age, like the only roles in comedy we've unfortunately typecast for them are kind of like like old crones. Yeah, which, yeah. Which is unfortunate. But my goodness, like Shirley MacLaine will take a role and she gives Weezer so much more. Because that could just be a throw – it could just be a throwaway sort of old crone thing. But some of the simple lines, um, like I'm not – I've just been in a bad mood for 40 years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the back and forth between them, some of the things they say to each other are so cutting. They're so yeah. intense. And, well, and, the, the, thing, the thing that actually makes that uh, final scene in the cemetery truly great is when Sally Field says, I just want to punch somebody. Oh, and yeah. Olympia <laughs> Dukakis says, Here, punch Weezer. Punch yeah. Weezer. yeah. <laughs> 
That's my favorite moment in the film. Yeah. That's and it's it's great. Yeah, cuz like how do you how do you still strike that balance with such an intense moment, you know? And they managed to pull it off. And she even apologizes for it later. She's like, "I just just thought we could like use a laugh." Yeah. <laughs> and she's right cuz like that's exactly what the audience needs and it's what the characters need in that moment. Who is the playwright? Robert Harling, who's famous for writing Steel Magnolias. That's it? <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he wrote, uh, let's see here, uh, one second, Soap Dish. Oh, okay. Oh! Yeah. Which I did not uh, like. The first, it was first okay. Wise Club. Oh. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, yeah, he's, he's got some now, I wonder if some we, history, if we went some to, like, chops. Yeah, if, if we went to plays, if he would have more, but those are at least movies. Right. So I... Uh, Go for it. I... Let me finish before you jump in. Um, I didn't like this movie, but it has very little to do with the movie. It has more to do with the my interactions with this movie over the years. But there, I do have one big problem with the movie that's actually with the movie. So Julia Roberts, when she decides to get pregnant, and she has that line where she says, I think it'll fix things. That's yeah. very clearly telling the audience her husband is making her, their marriage is not going well. And he wants her to have a baby, even though she knows it'll probably kill her, and is kind of pushing her into this, right? That I mean, that that's pretty obvious. I didn't. I disagree. Me, that's what's going on there. I she might be doing it for her own reasons to just make things just out of loneliness because she wants some things. I, right. I think there's room for interpretation, but I can well, see it's not yours. obvious because I didn't get any yeah. of that. Well, I, I, yeah. I agree that there's something wrong with the marriage, but I yeah. don't get the feeling that he's pushing her there there was another scene where I mean, they implied that as well she even has him the, pushing her to have kids she has the line though where she's like i would rather have what 30 minutes of yeah happiness than a lifetime of what ifs or i, I forget exactly I yeah at, at yeah. the end of that uh, she says something like he agrees or he there there's a line that implies that He's pushing her. I'm not saying that she doesn't want to do it, but it, he's kind of pushing her towards this. And she, when basically she dies because of it, right? right. Um, there's no, not necessarily comeuppance, but there's no sort of backlash. There's no sort of following that thread of like, we knew this was going to happen and you still wanted her to get That's pregnant. That's right. Because I don't think I, he wanted, I don't, th I think she. Wanted it more, not necessarily more, but she did it for like a 60, 40, fix the marriage. I want this kind of thing. I don't, uh, I didn't I get the feeling that she, more that he pushed her. her. And there were two scenes, that scene and there was another scene that implied that. I don't and, think that thematically fits either because most of this movie and this the screenplay, like I, no, I haven't seen the play, but the playwright doesn't have men at all. It's six women. The men are mostly absent. And I think the movie yeah, doesn't. The men in this movie are incidental. Yeah, and so I think men in this movie, I don't think that they have, if they have an influence, the influence is because of their absence, right? Spud, Drum's inability to, like, do anything right. Jackson, again, it seems to be that, that I mean, they're questioning getting married. I thought the, it was hilarious that, that uh, Evan J. O'Connell was the hot guy that Daryl Hannah falls for. Right, I can only ever see him as the comic relief guy from The Mummy. And yeah. So oh, anytime yeah. I see him, I'm like... Oh, that's the skeevy little that's rat That's the guy. same yeah. guy? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. 
he always plays kind of like a, a weird, almost like a rodent-like character. It's, like, <laughs> it's uh, just yeah. funny. It's just yeah. funny seeing like I saw him in the credits. And I was like, he's in this movie, and then yeah. it's, it's like, yeah, he's he's the hot bartender. He's the hot bartender. <laughs> there was a scene um, before. It was in between the wedding and the pregnancy where Julia Roberts is uh, not Julia Roberts. Sally Field is talking to Jackson about kids Mm -hmm. and they know at least uh, sally knows that the doctor has said she shouldn't have kids yeah and they do have that sense it's more than just the diabetes like there's some there's yeah yeah or it's there's other issues too yeah the diabetes has already started to affect more of her body Um, yeah and he says jackson even says you know, it doesn't matter if she has kids or we adopt kids. He definitely wants kids. He says that early on. But, but he, it, later on, once they, they can't adopt, right? Well, she says they can't adopt. She says they can't adopt because of her medical history. And I took that as she's giving her mom a line of bullshit because she wants to birth her well, own kid. She said kid. they tried. Yes, so, I, I, that's true. Yeah. She did say that. I And they may have... I mean, and maybe I don't. I don't there, know. I'm not an a, expert on adoption, but I don't think having diabetes would say nope. Can't have a kid. You have diabetes. I mean, they're, they're, it's pretty clear that their marriage is deteriorating at that point. Like it's just their marriage is falling apart. It's not, or at least not going. And, well, yeah, you don't know why, but right? the the, um, the honeymoon is long over. Yeah, and there there's a distance between them that at least she thinks will be fixed by having kids. As that um, happens, it works. That there's the implication that. He's also thinks it'll be fixed by having kids, right? They're both on the same page as, on this. I could agree to Even that. Even if it costs yeah, her, her life. And that I just wish there would be some sort of at least conversation about that right. or something. Like all, they never all I got was that she wanted to have a baby. That's all I got out of that. So the question is, is Maylin right or is Shelby actually gaining her independence? And I, I do think there's room for debate there. You know, if Maylin is right and Jackson is just sort of saying, like, let's just have a kid. Let's keep doing it. Damn the health concerns. Or is Jackson supporting her in this? We don't know because the man is absent both from the screenplay and that's part of the problem. But I I think it actually has a nice wrinkle to this. But there is a line in there where she says, I think it'll fix things. Yeah, she does say that. So that's that's the important. And And not only that, that doesn't put it on the husband. She says that and they share a look. And that look says more than anything else in that conversation. And that could just be that Sally and, and Drum did the same thing in their marriage, and that's why Shelby's there. That might be why they gave that look. Yeah, I don't See, when, I, when you said you had a problem with the movie, I thought you were going to talk about the underlying racism at the wedding. Well, that that is the underlying <laughs> racism in the movie in general. It's uh, not really but, underlying. It's, it's, yeah, it's out in the open. <laughs> um, but that that is more of my... The issues I have that are maybe not entirely related to the what movie. Is, where is there anything specifically racist in this? At the no, wedding? He, there's not. The, no. There's, there, there's there are some Confederate flags in the background sometimes. There are guys, and that and their idea of a celebratory thing is dressing up in Confederate uniforms and stuff. Yeah, well, sure. It's yeah. 1989 Louisiana. Right. Yeah, and the insensitivity of that choice is a little racist. Well, yeah. in this, this movie... But my this movie, I was forced to watch this movie by family members because these are good white folk and that don't get uppity with education and go to <laughs> church and do what they're supposed to do. And oh, that so that's that was how this movie was originally presented to me. 
And so it's I, so much more. So complex. It, it absolutely is but, classic. I hate. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, this is not, I, I can't shake that sort of view of this, this movie. That's not fair to the movie though. And that's why I don't right. bring that criticism up. Understandable though. I can see a lot of people having that viewpoint, but it's, I, I think it's a pretty weak one. That's a viewpoint you would have without actually listening to the movie. Yeah. Um, you know, because it talks, because it, there, there are characters, right? Like Daryl Hannah's character, like becomes, like finds God in this, but they also like tease her about it and show the the weakness of that, where she's like so sort of um, patronizing. Well, she'll mm-hmm. like say Amen and like pray for people, and you can see it puts a distance between her and her friends. But it also is, it also helps out Sally Field in that tough instance, and so that I, I think this is so much more complex. But I can see how a culture would appropriate this and say it's just a good, wholesome film. But then when they yeah. do that, they're they're also forgetting the huge amount of cursing, right? The yeah. the random scene with the bunch of nude football players with Shirley MacLaine like clearly <laughs> eyeballing every I like naked how, teenager. I like how she pulls out her makeup mirror. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To look without looking. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so that's, I think that's just, again, a cultural thing where people love to pick and choose. But oh, this yeah, movie absolutely. is so much more. It's it's fantastic. You know, I loved it. And it's the first time, I, I was not expecting to really like this as much as I did. But it's it's funny. It's heartfelt. It's it's legitimately a very impressive film. It's great. Uh, Julia Roberts is the only one who was nominated for an Oscar out of this. Are you kidding? Really? No. Sally Field yeah. wasn't nominated? Oh. I know that's kind of that was kind of wild. Or Shirley MacLaine wasn't nominated. That is or Shirley MacLaine. Yeah, I mean Shirley MacLaine's role. I could see her not getting nominated. I mean, she she wasn't asked to do. I mean, she was great, so I don't want to detract. But she wasn't asked to do a lot. Right. She was asked to play this one. That you know, sort of not. It's it's a comedic performance, so they're like, oh, it's not as good. Yeah. You know. But I mean, I'm Sally Field should have been. That Sally Field was nominated. That's yeah, yeah, she should have been nominated. That blew my mind. Yeah, especially considering. I mean, that. How do they not eat up that speech? How do they not just? Because it it's that. So we haven't really talked about that speech that much. It's very surprising. I was not expecting the speech, the very hopeful and positive speech she gave. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a very. It's it's you know the. Uh, okay, so she experiences what, in my opinion, is the worst thing a human being can experience the loss of a child i can't imagine like i've told my kids several times like if anything ever happens to you i'm letting you know now i'm done like i will not be able to handle it so if something happens to you that's on you that i'll be (laughs) ruined yeah you know um so no pressure force them to be a little more careful with things yeah and that speech at the end, I was expecting her to give this speech of, you know, this shouldn't happen, this is unnatural, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a v- actually a very hopeful and positive and um, not n- – without being sort of silver lining-y, you know what I mean? Like trying to find the good even though it's all it's shit. She actually like put it in a frame that – Made it seem like a really beautiful thing, right? Like life, which I has never to go on after that. Yeah, yeah. And that the fact that you were there for the beginning and the end, yeah, of this of this life that you created, is actually a really profound idea, and it's not, something I would never have thought of on my own. And it's the the trajectory of it, right? Where she starts off in that kind of denial of just I'm fine, I'm fine, and people keep talking to her. 
And then as she starts, it's it's and it's an impressive piece of acting. Yeah. And then how she transitions and you see her go through the grief and come to these conclusions. It's it's staggering. It's just staggering. It's some of the best acting I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's mind blowing to me that she is not that she was not nominated for an Oscar. Just crazy. All right, let's grade this film. Tom, what grade would you give Steel Magnolias? I'm going to give it a B. Uh, I think the acting and writing is great. I think the directing is a little pedestrian. But that that's not surprising for like a studio film in the 80s. You know, it's it's a director for hire kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the holidays, the con- incessant holidays, like moving through the holidays was weird. I feel like they're trying to force the time change when it's like, it's pretty obvious. Like, look, the kid grew up. We don't, you don't need to show us that it's like 4th of July. You know, why yeah. does she need to die on Halloween? Uh, <laughs> oh. It was just, it was just. I didn't, I didn't think of all that, but just, it's just it's one of those strange. things. Like sometimes you can watch, you can watch a movie and like from the first few shots, you're like, okay, this isn't like the direction of this film is just going to be kind of bland. Yeah. And, and that's kind of how this felt. And, and thankfully, the writing and acting was so good because this has a great cast that after maybe the first, I don't know, 15 minutes, I stopped paying so much attention to kind of how bland the directing was because I was more, more wrapped up in like these characters. Yeah. Um, but it still detracts it enough to give it a B. And also it was very noisy in the beginning and I was really, really, really hating it. <laughs> There's just like a lot of yelling and shooting and people being manic and that kind of thing especially like opening a movie like that drives me bananas so uh, I'll give it a B Kevin? I'm going to give it an A Steven? Uh, I'm giving it a B because I still think that the implication is the husband wanted her to get pregnant and I wish that would have been dealt with but this movie did surprise me a lot more I don't don't remember this being as clever as it was of course I was like 8 when I saw it (laughs) Uh, I'm also going to give this an A. I was really surprised by it, and I disagree with Steve's interpretation of that scene, but <laughs> so it doesn't bother me. Um, um, just real quick, I'm, I'm reading the Wikipedia article on this, and it says that after the, after the death of his younger sister in 1985 due to diabetes, Harlan wrote a short story and then adapted it into a play, Steel Magnolias. Huh. Oh. So it actually has some semi-autobiographical facet to it. Wow, I didn't know that. That's cool. All right, so with uh, with two A's and two B's, that gives Steel Magnolias an A minus or a little Mario mushroom. All right, want to do a couple of movie questions here, guys? Yeah, I got a, I got one, a good one. All right, go for it. <laughs> I already know the answer to this, but if these characters were forced to fight to the death on a deserted island, who would survive? <laughs> Ooh, Weezer. Yeah, Sh- say, Shirley MacLaine. Like it's going to come down to Shirley MacLaine and Dolly Parton, like in a death match. Yeah, Shirley MacLaine would beat Dolly Parton's ass. <laughs> I don't know. She's definitely the meanest. But if they're on a deserted island, you got to then take into account, okay, what's their, is it, is it these, what's their weapon skills? Right? Yeah, the characters. I don't yeah. Know. Oh, yeah. We, Actually, Daryl Hannah would kick everybody's ass. You've seen her in Kill Bill. In, in real life, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, the character. Actually, Olympia Dukakis is kind of a dark horse in that situation. I think. Yeah, she could sneak up on you. I feel like Maylin wishes she was stronger than she is. Yeah, honestly, I gotta. I think 
Charlotte McLean and Olympia Dukakis, I don't think would do it because you don't? They're, I don't think they would win. They come from money. Um, they come from old money. So they're not used to having to work too hard for things. I think they Such would give up. a weird up, question. I think, they would, I think they would give up quick. I think Daryl Hannah's character <laughs> would just collapse and pray to Jesus and hope that something saved her. Yeah. Um, so they got Sally Field or Dolly Parton? I'm going to go with Dolly Parton. She's a blue-collar worker. If she's on her feet all day, she's probably in the best shape out of all of them. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I scienced your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Julia Roberts would just collapse and die on her own. So, <laughs> yeah, you just gotta hold out until she goes into diabetic shock and you win. I just can see if we can find another interesting one. Who in this movie? Who in this movie would Lee Marvin rise from the grave to whoop? <laughs> Basically, all the guys. Uh, Dolly Parton's son. Yes. Dolly Parton. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, the eternal douchebag. Stupid motorcycle punk. And probably probably Sally Fields boys too. Uh, uh, they're scamps, but they're not douchey. Yeah, they're just funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot and about her. By son. the way, the the older son uh was the older boy Macamy. Oh really? Yeah, he did a lot ah, of stuff so in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. The whole movie I was like, Where have I seen this kid? It's driving yeah. me nuts. This is also our uh, fourth Sam Shepard movie. Hmm. Just... And our third Shirley MacLaine. What was the other one? Bernie. Bernie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've... Um, She's awesome in that. I, I've only seen her in roles before Gambit. I'd only seen her in roles, you know, since pretty much 1990 and recent. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. All right. So we're going to add Steel Magnolias to Flickchart. Flipchart is a wonderful website you can use that allows you to pair up two movies and create a ranked list of all the movies that you've seen. So the first movie that we have to choose between is Steel Magnolias or Things Change. Steel Magnolias. Steel Magnolias. Steel Magnolias. Agreed. Pretty easy. Steel Magnolias or Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Captain America. Yeah, Captain America. Wow, this is such a guy's podcast. <laughs> but uh, we clearly stated that in the beginning. Yeah, but yeah, I'm gonna go Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Yeah. <laughs> if you needed proof, we were fanboys. It's, be- it's directed no. better. Yeah, it's a better movie. Steel Magnolias or Black Hawk Down. Definitely has more explosions. But less Sam Shepard, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Sam. Oh yeah, Sam Shepard's in Black Hawk Down. Of course he is. Yeah, I'm going Steel Magnolias. Maybe more. Maybe more Black more Hawk Sam Shepard. Yeah. Yeah, I go Black Hawk. I'm gonna. I'm gonna also go Steel Magnolias. Well, now I'm not so sure which of these two is the more Sam Shepardy. <laughs> <laughs> That's your criteria from now on. <laughs> which is the more Sam Shepardy movie? Does Sam Shepard have a mustache in this? Well, depending on the context of that question, Black Hawk Down is definitely the more Sam Shepardy movie. Yeah. But yeah. I'm gonna go Black Hawk Down. Then we're stuck. I, I won't budge on that. I'll go Steel Magnolias. Okay, good, good, good. Oof. Steel Magnolias or Take Shelter. Sam Shepard in that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he is. I'm actually looking it up. I think well, he's he in is. mud and he's in Midnight Special, so. Yeah, I think he might be. I'm not seeing him, no. It, yeah, no. Okay. Shea Wiggum's in it. But. I have not seen Take Shelter. This is the one about the uh, father who starts having like these apocalyptic visions and so he puts his family in like a yeah looking at the sea container 
Yeah. 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 No, I haven't. And I've seen this on uh, advertised on Netflix or Prime, and. You've seen this, you should, Kevin. You should watch this with Kathy and say, this is why I want to do this. That's, it looks <laughs> it'll, like it'll something I definitely would watch, but I honestly... Kevin, you've definitely, you were on the podcast because you made that specific comment that you should do that in your backyard. <laughs> I could easily see me saying that. Okay, I don't remember the movie, so it couldn't have been that good. Part of the problem is I can't stand Michael Shannon. There's just something about him that I want to punch his face. <laughs> I don't. I have. I have no valid reason for that. I just want to sock him. I don't know why. And I can't stand him. Um. Yeah. Somebody on uh, flick charters called that movie a train wreck. To take shelter. Singing in the rain. They're fools. Yeah. Fools. Ass clown. Wait. Somebody yeah. called singing in the rain a train wreck. Yes. And they're along still allowed West to be Side story <laughs> along with West Side Story and the Sound of Music, train wrecks. Oh, so they just not all don't that bad. like musicals. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going Steel Magnolias, then I guess. I'm gonna go take shelter. I think yeah, I'm gonna go take yeah. shelter. Me too. Take shelter. I know. I know. I had problems with that movie, but I don't remember what they were. Steel Magnolias or her. 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 Yeah, her. Ooh. Steel Magnolias or Slither? Slither. Slither. Steel Magnolias. It's admittedly a genre bias thing, but I don't care. Hang on a second. I was about to go Steel Magnolias, but now you're making me think. That's the one with the slugs and the zombie people. <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, go ahead and blow while I think. I got to blow my nose, so pause the, <laughs> no pause reason the sniffling. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and blow while I think. I knew you guys were going to do that. Damn it. I know. I wasn't going to comment, but you can't help but laugh at such hearing something so out of context. He's just going to take that, Kevin, and cut it into your discussion about porn from earlier. And that's, I forget that, that you don't see what I see, and so all you do is just hear it. Yeah, go ahead and blow. He didn't have to be into the microphone, Steve. <laughs> oh, he's almost a foot away. Gosh. You know how to uh, whistle, don't you, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Nothing. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go steal Magnolias. From the big sleep to deliverance, 0. 0.5 <laughs> seconds. I don't know why. Why not? Okay, so that's two for steel Magnolias and two for Slither. I'm not budging on that one. I could I'm budge. Not bud I could budge. You'll budge. Weather. Go to yeah, I, I could. It was to have and have not. Not the big sleep. I have to turn in my classic film leopard card. <laughs> Who would you turn that into? You? <laughs> Tom's the uh, president, vice president, and treasurer of classic film card yeah. club. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that puts Steel Magnolias at 218 on our flick chart. The title of this podcast should be The Missing Person Podcast because Kevin disappeared <laughs> oh, on the first half <laughs> and Brian <laughs> disappeared on the second half. Yeah, Darn it. I, I meant to actually bring that up before we started recording. <laughs> that we should mention why. Yeah, whatever. Kevin suddenly showed up out of nowhere. <laughs> and Brian disappeared. <laughs> Brian disappeared, yeah. Well, yeah. We just do that all the time. We just have someone come and go. And maybe eventually they'll think that Kevin is Brian. Yeah. Do we sound anything alike? No. No. Not really. Okay. No. Not at all. Not even all a little right. bit.
none of us sound alike, but I've had people tell me that they have trouble differentiating who's who. But I think that's just putting names to voices. Yeah, well, that's kind of normal on podcasts too. I have yeah. the same trouble when I listen to podcasts where they introduce themselves at the beginning, and I'm like, "Wait, who's talking?" Right. Yeah. We'll do more of that. You are so right, Stephen. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely should do more of that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, Kevin. <laughs> Has anybody seen Stakeout? Yeah. No, Emilio Estevez? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, uh, Dreyfus. Martin Sheen? Oh, I thought it was Richard Dreyfus. No, it's, it's Father. Oh, I thought it was Father Son? No, no. Okay. It's Richard oh. Dreyfus and Emilio Estevez. Yeah. yeah. Okay, this is a movie. Like, I saw bits of this when I was younger because uh, my dad had it recorded off of TV. So, like, when my parents weren't there, like, I was watching pieces of it because I wasn't allowed to watch it. <laughs> Mainly the parts where Madeline Stowe was naked. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um,. <laughs> But like I, I watched this finally, and all right, let's say you're you're Madeline Stowe, you're like in your late twenties, you're living alone, and a forty-something-year-old guy who looks and acts like Richard Dreyfuss shows up to your house to fix your phones, <laughs> and within a week you're sleeping with him. Does that sound, sounds like the plot of every porn movie I've ever seen. <laughs> He's pretty so smooth. what you're telling me, Tom, is that Richard Dreyfuss wrote the movie, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> basically. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's 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 a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> I feel like, and maybe this comparison will make no sense, but like you know how people say that like Tom Hanks is like America's dad. I feel like Richard Dreyfus is America's stepdad. <laughs> creepy stepdad? Yeah. I don't know. I he's just feel like creepy. you know he's not he's not creepy, but I feel like we he's pretty creepy in Stakeout. 